Welcome to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hi, I'm Kim Marcellus, Senior Editor of McKnight's Long-Term Care News. Today, I'm coming to you from the American College of Healthcare Administrators Convocation in Baltimore, and I'm lucky enough to be joined by Maureen McCarthy. Maureen is a nurse and resident assessment professional. As president of Celtic Consulting, she offers nursing homes help with everything from reimbursement and regulatory matters to audits and litigation support. Maureen has had a busy week presenting here on MDS changes, managed care, and more. But for the next few minutes, we're going to focus in on that managed care component, in particular, how the CMS Medicare and Medicare Advantage rule published in April will affect skilled nursing, hopefully for the better. Maureen, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Kim. I'm so happy to be here. All right. Well, you are much more an expert on this topic than I am, so I'm looking forward to your your input. Let's start with the basics. The final rule goes into effect in early June. Do you see the changes for MA as a plus overall for nursing home providers and for patients? Kim, I have to tell you, I've been an advocate for patient coverage of managed care for over a decade now, and it's something that I feel is one of the most important pieces of change or legislation that have come down from CMS. I think that this is going to have one of the most positive impacts on any of the changes that we've seen in the last probably three years. The Some of the initial changes from the managed care final Medicare Advantage final rule, which also includes Medicare Part D and PACE programs, will be the impact of the requirement that Medicare Advantage plans must follow and cover traditional Medicare uh, covered services, which has not been the case necessarily from previous managed care admissions that we've seen in skilled nursing facilities. Um, So we're really happy that they have to follow traditional Medicare coverage guidelines as well as local, local coverage determinations and national coverage determinations. So there are a set of rules that providers can go to that will determine whether a patient is covered or not covered rather than taking the chance of admitting the patient, having specific rules that are only applicable to that one payer source and admitting the patient and then finding out that they will not be provided care or have that care paid for at a later point in time. So I think that that's one of the most important pieces. I think the second piece is that the treating physician will have input into medical necessity, which has not been a case before. And I think that that's going to really help the beneficiaries themselves to get that care covered because it's not just looking at a medical director that's from the insurance company who has been educated by the insurance company. This is someone who's truly acting on the best interest of the beneficiary themselves. And so I think having putting the control out of the insurance companies out of their hands and moving that into the hands of the treating physician, I think that's going to have the biggest impact for the resident themselves to get the care that they need for the amount of time that they need. So do you see that either the medical director or the rounding physicians will need to do something active to make that connection and have that influence, or is it just a charting issue? Well, I think that 
although it's not a requirement to have a physician certification form for a managed care product, because the purpose of the physician certification form is to prove that the physician who is involved in this patient's care approves with our plan of care and our trajectory of coverage for this patient. And so I think that the fact that they've been asking for these physician certification forms on managed care will help us to prove that the phys treating physician is not in agreement with what the managed care plan is for coverage okay. for this patient. And so I think that that can help. The other thing I think is appealing decisions of denials uh, that come from the managed care company and, and having the opportunity to um, have the treating physician involved in that I think will be really helpful as well. Okay, great. Um, and one other question here. Can you talk about traditionally the types of denials in SNFs that would have happened? Is it just a blanket denial of the SNF stay or are there components of the care that they're saying they won't pay for? I think it goes both ways. And I think, um, you know, when we get prior authorization in some cases, they're going retroactively to the day of admission to deny the patient um, after the fact. So we'll have everything that we need. We'll know from the hospital discharge that the patient needs uh, post-acute care, yet when that patient is being cared for, then I think that, you know, we're, we have some issues with the prior authorization not being valid or not being um, honored from what they gave us. Now, there are some pilot programs that are going on in some of the hospitals in some states where the managed care entity is teaching the hospital how to recognize and approve prior authorization. And now what I've heard from some providers is get, they're getting that prior authorization and the next day getting denied. Mm -hmm. When the patient gets to the building, now the insurer is calling the building to say we're not honoring the prior authorization. All right. So let's talk about what's changing them with prior authorizations because this rule does really address that. And it's something I know the CMS administrator talked about this week in terms of access and speed of care for beneficiaries. So talk to us about what's changing and again, why that benefits both the nursing home and the patient. That's a great question. And I'm really happy about this process changing as well because um, prior authorization now should only be required in a case where the diagnosis is not definitive. So when the diagnosis is in question, um, then they're using prior authorization to determine that diagnosis. Now, if someone's coming to your facility and they have a fractured hip and they've had surgery for that hip, there's no doubt about what that diagnosis is. So prior authorization should be automatically granted for that admission moving forward um, because there is no question about the diagnosis itself. Um, that's the way that the final rule appears to be written. I'm hoping that that's the way that it will be carried out. But I think getting education out there to providers to make them aware, which is, I think, what you're doing here, um, is going to be a key because if the provider doesn't know that the process has changed, I'm not sure that managed care is going to be that open about the changes that are expected of them on the provider level. And it kind of falls in between here because you've obviously got the referring hospital partner and then you've got the SNF and they each have their own rules to deal with. And then the managed care rule encompasses different populations. So it can be something that is um, one missed, falls between the cracks or is not well understood. So I think you maybe have to have somebody in your building who really understands and can advocate for your, your facility, but again, also your patients on this. Exactly. Because you're going back to the managed care company to now, you know, and be armed with the final rule itself in those pieces. And don't be afraid to go back to them to ask for and to advocate for your patients that you know need this care. So I would say to have that rule in hand, be able to provide that to, you know, the insurer so that 
they may not, and even the discharge planners or the case managers from the insurance company may not be aware of the changes either. And these changes are expected to take place June 5th. So we've got sort of a short window mm-hmm. to educate providers out there as to what the changes will be and to make sure that they're prepared so that they have the ammunition that they need to fight the good fight. Okay, so one more thing, uh, both on preauthorization and payment denials. Um, obviously, nursing homes have had issues with this for years, try to appeal and then complain that they're really appealing to the person who denied them. Um, does this rule do anything to change that process? This rule does not do anything to change that process and to get back to the administrator or the five levels of appeals that are available in traditional Medicare, to get back to that administrative law judge level, which is really the first level that you get to talk to another person. It's not just a desk review, um, I think is really important. So I think that if CMS can clarify how to get that case reviewed for the beneficiary in that system, I think that you'll see things that will change because at this point, I don't think that um, providers have a good process or idea or view on how that goes beyond the actual insurance company. When you're calling on the back of the NOMNOC, you're calling the insurance company to have that review. And the NOMNOC is the medical portion where you're stating that um, you don't agree with the facility's clinical decision that the patient meets skilled level of criteria. And the ABN is looking at the financial piece of who's going to pay, you know, should Medicare or, the, or that pay or not pay. So when we're looking at the NOMNOC, is there a way to get from the insurance company back into the five levels of Medicare appeals? I think that CMS providing additional clarification around that would be very helpful for providers. You mentioned the desk reviews, and I I know we've seen some stories in the mainstream press lately about um, just automatic denials by certain companies that that employees have said, well, we looked at something for, you know, five seconds and clicked the button and we deny. So I I think that continues to be very frightening for providers who are increasingly serving these MA patients and need to know that their requests for coverage are being taken seriously. I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And it's, it's, when I ask various audiences that have um, experience in being a managed care auditor um, and they're told that they're to deny a certain percentage of claims that come across their desk, as a healthcare nurse that's been in this industry for more than 35 years, it infuriates me that a patient who's paid for this product and deserves to use it, and had they been on traditional Medicare, would have been able to access that benefit, now is told no that you're not able to access your skilled benefit. So I, I think that what CMS done, they should be applauded for, for what they've done so far with this final rule. I just think that um, we could have additional clarification that will be even more beneficial for providers to explain to beneficiaries how their benefits work and what their appeal rights are. And I know CMS, uh, is it one or two other MA rules they have? I know the one on interoperability and and speeding up data for prior authorizations. Is there also a a third rule? Um, There may be. I just uh, have been inundated with not only this rule, but the final rule for skilled nursing as well as the REI update. So um, we've had a lot of nighttime reading lately. I haven't caught up to the other rules yet. does help (laughs) you sleep at night, I'll say that. (laughs) Well, I think all of this is is great information and I really appreciate the insight 
insights. Um, I, I guess I, what I would say from there is that this is a really brief take, uh, but certainly we continue to cover the implications of managed care and Medicare Advantage in particular at McKnight. So we hope you'll check out more coverage there. And on that note, Maureen, thank you. Thank you, Kim. For McKnight's, I'm Kim Marcellus. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care news, visit mcknights.com.